Um, we'll review a little bit. We'll be chapter 13. We're not going to be there very long. We're going to skip on over, and we will end up in chapter 15, 16, 17, and 18. Maybe not. I can't even get through three verses in Psalm 37 at one time, can I? <laughs> oh, well, anyway. <clears throat> well, we continue to look at the life of David and, and uh, uh, getting close to coming to, to the end of his life, but right now we're um, not there, and we are, I, I would be curious to know exactly how old he was when uh, Absalom rebelled. I, I know that um, it was thought that he was about 50. Uh, was it 50? I think it was about, he was about 50 years old when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And so, 70, yeah, so anyway, not quite sure on that, but uh, I'd be curious to know how old he was when this happened, but um, we're, this entire passage here from chapter 13 through chapter 18 uh, deals with uh, a milestone in uh, David's life and, and probably one of the hardest things. I, I would imagine if you were to, uh, if he was to come back and you had him sit here in an interview and say, King David, what's one of the hardest things that you went through? I'm sure that it would be the revolt of Absalom, his son. And I couldn't imagine what uh, would be going through your mind um, as, as a dad. Uh, it would be horrible to uh, lose one of your sons, but then it would be exceptionally even worse if uh, you find out that he is revolting against you and is actually in pursuit to kill you. And I just couldn't imagine what what was going through David's mind. But um, in, in this, we do see some character <clears throat> issues with uh, each one of these guys. And we looked at a couple of them uh, last week or week before. What was it last week? Yeah, I think Wes preached last week, so two weeks ago. And we looked at Absalom's character, and we see that his character was revealed through a, a, a terrible crime that took place, and, uh, and, and through that, and, and it wasn't actually a crime against him, but it was against his sister, but we see that through that, that he allowed bitterness to creep in and to, I don't even know that it, cre it crept in, I think it was something that uh, he welcomed wholeheartedly, and uh, through that, it ended up destroying him. <clears throat> but he was very calculated, and the, the things that he did because of the hatred had molded him, and he waited for the opportunity to kill his brother. And when the day came, uh, he did exactly that. And, and then instead of uh, taking responsibility like he should have, we see that he fled and, and hid out. And so... Uh, we know that uh, David, in the predicament that he was in, mourned for his son that was killed. He mourned for his son that was still alive and uh, would have just been a mess. I, I, ju I, just, 
I can't imagine, I can't really wrap my mind around uh, what all David must have been going through uh, during this time. Because not only was he dealing with that, but then he was also dealing with Joab, who was uh, his his uh, right-hand man, you might say, that was the, the man that directed the military, and uh, he was one that gave much advice to David, and that was Joab. And, and we find out that Joab was deceptive, he was manipulative, he was uh, self-centered, self-seeking, and uh, was always putting himself in a place where uh, he, he could uh, promote himself. And so we looked at that, and, and we saw their character, and I don't want to go back over that, but then we also uh, saw Absalom's coup d'etat whenever he presented a false impression. And did, did we do chapter 15? I don't know if anyone takes notes or not, and I study this, and then I, I study it, and I can't remember if I preached it or if I just studied it or uh, anyway, we'll, we'll go over that with a little more detail, all right? So in, uh, in chapter 15, and first of all, I don't think we did go over this because first of all, he created a false impression of who he was. In verse 1, it says, and it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now, I'm not exactly sure what's going on with David during this time. And some thought that it might have been a long-term illness that he was dealing with. And so he was a little bit out of it or, you know, it's hard to tell. But you're also dealing with a kingdom that was, in those days, was quite large. And so he probably couldn't keep track of everything. But here it tells us that Absalom actually put himself up as uh, royalty and uh, presented this false impression because 50 men running were actually for the king and, and for royalty. And so now he is, he's making himself into something that, that he hasn't been given. And, but then he goes on and we see that he usurps the authority that's over him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Oh, you have just cause to be here, and, and I can understand that, but hey, the, the king is busy, and the king really doesn't have anybody that can hear these things. And Absalom said, Moreover, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him uh, obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And so now we see that very deceptive in, in what he was doing. And then it says in verse 6, and on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And we saw how, we, and we just see how subtle he was in, in the things that he did. And, and, and as we give thought to this and we look at his character and, and, we, and we look at the country and we look at what the king's doing and busy doing the things that he's doing and not watching everything and and here we see that Absalom, behind his back, was slowly stealing the hearts of those people. I think that 
we always need to be careful of, of those that are, that, that are really trying to, to, to steal our hearts or to uh, have our hearts. And as a matter of fact, it shows us in the Scripture that the only one that ought to have our heart is, is God and through Christ. And it's only Jesus and it's only God that knows our hearts. And so we need to be careful with that and who we are giving our hearts to, and we need to be careful of the subtlety of, uh, of, of one that's sneaking in and has the wrong motivations in our lives, in our, in our businesses, in our families, in our churches, and uh, wherever it may be, and let us always guard that. And, and we know that, and, and I always warn about this, I don't try to be paranoid, but I also want to be very discerning and very careful of, of what goes on, but we do need to guard that. We need to guard our church family. We need to, uh, I, if I had you guys to raise your hands, I'm not going to. I don't, you know, it's bad enough, and I just don't need to see it. Is how many of you have ever been through a church split? And you've been through a time where, where somebody wins the hearts of some of the people, and some of the hearts are with one person, some of the hearts are with the other per person. And, and here we need to understand that it shouldn't be, our hearts shouldn't be with either one of them. Our hearts ought to be with what God wants. And and what God is, is doing in our lives. And, and, and truly, if we as a church body will keep our eyes on Christ, all of us, we won't have that issue, but let us guard against it. And so here it goes on, and, and it came to pass after 40 years. So this was 40 years after David had been anointed king. Not that he had become king, but 40 years after he had been anointed king, when he was a shepherd boy and was taking care of the sheep. And so if you calculate that up, he was probably a teenager or maybe a late teenager at this time. So by this time, he's getting close to 60 years old. And, and, and here it says that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. For thy servant vowed a vow while I abode at Geshur in Syria, saying, the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said unto him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. Oh, how we need to be careful of those who are snakes and those who will tell you a little bit of the truth and those that will say that they are walking the path that God has given to them. However, if, they're, if they are not... Uh, uh, doing everything that God would have them to do. And, and you need to watch their lives and be careful with that and understand that there's many that are false prophets. There are many that have false motivations. I, I think of, and I, as I was trying to speak, I, uh, something, uh, an illustration came to my mind. I, I knew of a man that had been a pastor in, in the same church for I think it was 20, 20 years or 21 years at the time. And, I mean, it's shown the people that he was faithful and loved the people. And he was in a small farm town, not very big at all. And, and as a matter of fact, I don't even think the town was uh, a thousand people. And so ha had poured his life into that church body. And, and uh, they, they had grown to the point where needed an assistant. And, hey, this, and, and has nothing to do with, with uh, uh, Wes. I praise the Lord for the relationship we have. And so, but this guy brought in this assistant, and, and it wasn't very long, but that assistant won the hearts of some of the people. 
and we're we're dealing with a we're dealing with a church of 130 140 people we're seeing how that he came in and won the hearts of some of those people and ended up splitting the church in a small town of less than a thousand people i think it's 500 people and think of the testimony then that they had to go and they had to deal with that and now they have two churches and uh in this little town and 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 then pretty soon that guy leaves and another guy uh well and then the guy that was there for 20 some years ended up uh he moved on and and don't think i, I don't know if they ever truly recovered from that and that other character that church went on and and now you know it's sad i'm not sure on the one that split off but I think they're both gone now. I know the one church is dead and gone, buried, sold the building, no, no gospel witness now in that little town. And I find how sad that is, and, and we see that so often, and, and, and oh, how we need to guard against that, and let's guard against the, the, the attitudes that we have and the attitudes we have towards one another. The, look, the attitudes you have against me, I... I, I dare to say how many words I say publicly and how many things are said in the pulpit and, and, and how many things are, are brought up in, in, those, in the times that I preach. And I, I don't know how many times I've preached in my life. I, I would thousands of times, I'm sure. And, and I can guarantee you, if you are thinking that, that all is perfect, then I can tell you that I have really screwed up a whole lot of times. And there are times when things are said that might not sit very well with you. And there are times where you might think that, you know, you really could have said that another way. Yeah, I probably could have. And, and the thing that you need to realize is that there are times when I go home and, and you may have not thought anything about the message and thought, well, it's just typical him and, and that's the way it is. But there have been times where I've gone home and, and, and I really don't need someone being the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does a fine enough job the way it is. And has rebuked me many times of things that have said and things that are done and, and how we need to be careful. And, and, but we need to understand that everybody in here, including your pastor, has feet of clay. And you're not going to find someone that's going to be perfect. And, and we need to understand that, that when God wants to take me out of here, whether it be feet first or whether he moved me, I believe that we will all know that. And, and, and it'll be a time where where if that ever comes, and I pray it never comes, I pray that I can finish the entire ministry right here and, and, and serve here. But if God moves us, then, then I know that it'll be a time where everybody can see that and understand that and know that that's God's timing and, and we can leave on, on good terms and, and with a love for each other that we ought to have and, and be able to come back and enjoy the, you know, whatever God is doing here and don't look I'm not looking and, and don't get any bright ideas and don't get so excited all right yeah don't say amen exactly but you know there we just need to King David wasn't perfect we all know that David knew that more than anybody you know there were things about David though that that you could see that he had a passion for God and he had a passion for his people. He had a passion for the nation that would been, had been chosen by God. And, and, he, and he had a respect for authority. David wasn't someone that cut the authority of someone else. David, as a matter of fact, 
fled for however many years out of respect for the position that Saul was in and had the opportunity twice to kill him and get rid of him. And he didn't. David was a man that had some great character. And oh, if Absalom would have just watched his dad just a little bit and, 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 and followed him and, and been what he needed to be, who knows, Absalom may have been the next king. But here we see that Absalom goes in and he, and he, and he really he draws the line. He, and it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. For thy servant vowed a vow while I abode at Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. The king said unto him, Go in peace. So he rose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went two hundred men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity and knew not anything. Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilanite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilo, while he's offered sacrifices, and the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. Now, there's a couple of things that um, I, I didn't write this down, but you can, you can actually study it out and find it yourself also. You'll find out in the lineage that Ahithophel was, was one of the main counselors for David. Very close. As a matter of fact, David writes about him in Psalm, and I, Psalm 55, I think it is, and it says that, that we, we commune together. We, we walk to the temple or to the tabernacle together. We, we worship together. We, we had all these good times together, and, and we see that it's Ahithophel that turns his back on David and follows Absalom. I mean, I mean we're dealing with a man here, that uh, David, who, who has lost a baby, who has lost a son, who's been killed by another one of his sons, and now he has another son that's starting to rise up against him, and, and now he finds out, he's going to find out, that one of his closest friends, he thought, hated him and turned his back upon him. Boy, there, there's some hard things going on in in David's life through all of this. And, and so we see that this conspiracy was strong. And, and now we're going to see David's character starting here in verse 13. And, and it tells us, And there came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of men of Israel are after Absalom. So I don't know if he already kind of had an idea, but I, I don't know that he did. Here comes the news, and and they tell him that, hey, the men of Israel are, are after Absalom. And, and David's first response, look at this. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. Now, I, when I think about David and 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 I, I think about his heart that he has for God and, and, and the issues that went on in his life. And, and, and here it just, it, it doesn't strike me that David is one anymore that since he's dealt with Saul and now here he is, he's very comfortable in his position and he still has a lot of his brave men that are with him. We know that they, they end up going with him and, and, and you think about the damage he could do with just 30 of those brave men that he had 
and how wicked they were, or wicked in, in how they could wield a sword and, and vicious in battle, you might say. And, and, and I just have a hard time thinking that, that the first thing that came to David's mind was fear, and hey, we got to get out of here. You know what I think, and, and I know I speculate in this, however, I do believe that, that David knows God well enough that, that, that he knows in the back of his mind that God is going to do the things that God has promised to do. And if you recall, whenever he was dealing with Nathan, who pointed out to him the sin of adultery with Bathsheba, you go back to chapter 12 and, and look at this with me. And in chapter 12 and verse 12, well, actually verse 11, thus saith the Lord. So, so now here we are, Nathan telling him, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will Raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Oh, now we give thought to what was said back there. And, and so David remembers, and I guarantee you, David will remember what Nathan had told him. And Nathan had told him that, look, you are going to, you're going to lose your kingdom. And, and we're going to have another man come in and sleep with your wives and take over your kingdom. But David, you need to remember, as Nathan said, you're not going to die. You're going to watch it happen. And so now, a few years down the road, however long this has been, I'm not certain, but, but here I can just imagine that since this time, that David continues to move on in his kingdom, but there in the back of his mind, it's always lagging there in his mind that there's going to come a day when I'm going to pay the price for the sin that I committed with Bathsheba. Not only did I lose my son through that, but... Not only did I lose the respect of some of those men that were fighting for me, not only did I lose the respect of Ahithophel, and do you know who Ahithophel was? Ahithophel was, was um, uh, Bathsheba's grandfather. And so here he is, committed all of this, and Ahithophel was probably about as sneaky as Absalom. And so Ahithophel stayed in that position, talking to David and being his best friend, looking for the opportunity to hurt him. And so now some of that is David's fault. Leave somebody else's wife alone and you won't have these problems. But here we see that he did, and he committed adultery, and now he's still paying the price for this because not only has he lost the respect, not only has he lost his son, and, and not only through that has he lost the respect of his other son, and, and, and probably through part of that, and probably through not willing to deal with Amnon and what he did to Tamar, and, and all of these things are going on, and, and all, all of these things are happening, and, and I'm sure in David's mind that here he is still dealing with all of this, and 
maybe we're maybe they are right the commentators who said that maybe David was dealing with a long-term illness here because maybe that illness was brought on by the conviction and the sorrow of what he had done and still knowing and waiting for that shoe to drop where he knows that it's God's judgment. I know it's speculation, but it sure makes sense to me. And that's why his response, as soon as he heard this, all of that came back to him that Nathan had told him. He's like, this is God's judgment. This is God's judgment. And if I stay here and fight... I will die. Or maybe God will kill me, or even worse yet, we'll just see the entire city destroyed. We'll see everything gone. And so we see that he fled. And he left, and, and it tells us that David said unto all his servants in verse 14 that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servant said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. I don't know. Maybe it's my personality. I guess that's part of it. I'm always, I've shared this before, but I'm always inspired by, by those, those kind of uh, movies or, or whether they're biographies or whatever they are, I'm just always inspired by those who, who instill such a loyalty, just a loyalty to follow someone. I, I don't know if anyone ever read the book uh, Band of Brothers. Anybody read the book Band of Brothers? Some of you probably watched the movie Band of Brothers, but do you remember Captain Winters in, in, in that? And uh, Lieutenant Winters when he first started off and promoted to Captain Winters, and, and uh, that guy was a hero. I mean, he was just a hero, and, 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 I, and, and it just inspired me. There was one time where I, I believe they were in France, and they were coming into this small town and this village, and, and they're walking on this dirt road, and it's just nothing to hide behind, and, and they're just walking in, and, and a sniper starts taking them out. And we see that these guys jump into the ditch or whatever there is, you know, just trying to, uh, as Pastor Graham used to tell me, he said, you would do everything you could to crawl inside your helmet. And, and he said, you'd do everything you could to do that. And those guys were doing exactly that. And Captain Winters, and I think at the time was still Lieutenant Winters, knew that if we continue to, to lay here, he's going to shoot every one of us and we're all going to die. And it, so he just gets up stands up and walks over there and starts kicking the guys and tell them, you guys got to get up. We got to go. And, and, and he got them up, and then they charge into, into that town, and they end up taking the town. And, and, and we know the, the victory that came because of men like that that let our, let our country in and were, were not afraid to die. And, and, and those kinds of things inspire me. And, and David, I think, was exactly, I know that he was one of those kind of guys that that when the battle came, he was right there, and, and he was leading the way, and, and, he, and he wanted to be there because he, he had that shepherd's heart, and, and he wanted to protect the flock. He wanted to protect the country, and, and, and here we, we see that, that because of that, then he comes to his servants, and he says, look, we need to go, and, and the servants without question, hey, whatever you want to do, let's go. Let's just do it. 
And I, I, I just, I love the kind of leadership that, and the character that he had and, and, and how they instilled that. I mean, he's the guy that remembers standing there in battle and, and, and looking down on Bethlehem and saying, man, I'd love to have a drink of water out of that well, but it's on the other side of all the fighting and those three guys go crashing down through there, fight through everything and how many people they kill to get there and, and get the water and then come back and actually still have water uh, in their container when they get there and just to do battle so they could give their king a drink of the water that he so desired. And I, I just, I, I love that kind of loyalty and, and I see that that's the kind of loyalty that we ought to have to our Savior. That's the kind of loyalty that we ought to have to our Lord. That's the kind of loyalty that as, as long as we are serving God and, and doing the things that we ought to, that's the kind of loyalty that we ought to have with our family at Platte Valley Baptist Church. And it disheartens me and it breaks my heart when, when you see people that get upset and they leave over silly, trivial things that matter absolutely nothing in eternity. Nothing. Nothing. And you wonder, if you have no more loyalty than that to God's local church, how can you say that you have loyalty to God? Help us. Help us to truly, help us to truly be loyal. And then we see an example of someone, a Philistine of all people. A Philistine, and it tells us in verse 19. Here, think of that. I mean, David goes into Gath, and, and, and he hides in, in the, the, the city, I can't remember, Ziklag, I think it was, is where he, that's where he hid out in, in the, the Philistines' country. And, and while he's there, at some point in time, he must have made an impact on this man, and, and, and uh, Ittai is his name. And, and it tells us, then said the king to Ittai the Gittite, Wherefore goest thou also with us? Return to thy place, and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger, and, and also an exile. And whereas thou camest but yesterday, should I this day make thee go up and down with us? And so here he comes out of his country, and he comes to David, and, and, and he's uh, telling David, Hey, I, I want to be here with you. And, and, and it's just the day before, and, and David says, Hey, you don't need to see, you don't need to stay. And seeing I go whither I may, return now and take back thy brethren. Mercy and truth be with thee. David said, Hey, go on, get out of here. You don't need to, to be in the middle of this. And Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth, and as my Lord the king liveth, surely in what place my Lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also will thy servant be. You know what I also find? I find that when you go through times like this, whether, whether it's in your, your life and your business, whether it's in your, in your family, whether it's in a church or whatever, you know what you find? You find out that some of those that, that, were, that were blowing the horn the loudest are the first ones to leave. And it's the ones that were quietly there just plodding along and supporting you and all of a sudden, you look up, and they're the ones. They're the ones who's the Ittai that says, hey, we're in this in death or life. We're in this that wherever we go, that as wherever God wants us, that's where we're going to go, and we're going to be there with you. I love what Paul wrote over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and the first nine verses here, 
here, here he, he's uh, writing to the Corinthians, and he says, We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Let us have that kind of loyalty to our God. Let us make sure that, that it doesn't matter, life or death, that we are going to be loyal to our Lord. Over in Philippians chapter 1, Paul writes it again. And he starts in verse 20 and goes through verse 23. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I choose, I want not. For I am in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to bite in the flesh is more needful for you. And, and here we see that, that, that death had no sway over him. Death had no sway, and there was... There was, there was no fear of punishment. There was nothing there but a dead loyalty that live or die, Lord, I'm with you, and I do whatever it is that you want to do. I'm ashamed that I caved and we didn't have church service. I am. I'm truly ashamed. Not again. And you know what I'm sad about? Is it took the death of a member of our church family to wake us up and say, you know what, this is enough. We're not doing this anymore. We're not doing it again. Live or die. We don't do it again. And I could really care less what the world says. I could really care less what Governor Polis says. I don't care. What we should care about is what God says. You know what we'll find? As the battle gets more fierce, there will be some that are hit the fells. There will be some that are just afraid and don't go because they're afraid. One day they'll have to deal with their cowardice. But let us not be that. Because we need to have the same attitude. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. The only thing that matters is what we do for Christ. And so here we see that the Itai showed a wonderful loyalty. The same motto that we ought to have with our own Savior. David said to Itai, go and pass over. Ittai the Gittai passed over and all his men and all the little ones that were with him. 
And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people passed over the king, also himself passed over the brook Kidron. And all the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. Ah, but we're going to see some good things come. Here he is. They're weeping. They're sad. They're leaving. And lo, Zadok also and all the Levites were with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. They set down the ark of God, and Abiathar went up until all the people had done passing out of the city. Here they come. city is leaving, and, and all of David's servants that are loyal to him are going out of the city. And David looks, and here comes all the priests. And they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant with them. Tell them, David, we're with you. And the king said unto Zadok, Carry back the Ark of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and his habitation. But if he thus say, I have no delight in thee, behold, here am I. Let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. You know, something else I see in, in David's leadership was he was just totally transparent. Yeah, he messed up, but he confessed it. Confessed it publicly. He got things right in his life and with his country and with his fellow men. And here again, completely transparent. And here he told them, Hey, we're not going to do this. Eli and his sons tried this, and they lost the Ark of the Covenant. They lost the presence of God upon their country. I don't want that. You see, his, his, he wasn't concerned for himself. He was still concerned for his country. He was concerned for those around him. We see, I do believe that God blesses him, even in his chastening. We see God's blessings. So Zadok the priest goes on, and Zadok therefore and Abiathar carried the ark of God again to Jerusalem, and they tarried there. And then David went up the ascent of Mount Olivet and wept as he went up and had his head covered, and he went barefoot, a sign of remorse and contrition. And all the people that was with him covered every man his head, and they went up weeping as they went up. Pretty hard, wasn't it? But you know what? It still continued to pour. And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. How much can he take? You ever been there? You ever been to the point where you just wonder how much more can I handle? You ever had that conversation with God? Maybe in the middle of the night? Maybe during the day? You just get to the point where you're so stressed out and you're so heavy. Your heart is so heavy. And here David was, I believe, at that very point. And then what did God do? And it came to pass that when David was come to the top of the mount, where he worshipped God, behold, Hushai the archite came to meet him with his coat rent and earth upon his head. A sign of remorse and weeping and contrition unto whom David said, 
If thou passest on with me, then thou shalt be a burden unto me. But if thou return to the city and say unto Absalom, I will be thy servant, O king, as I have been thy father's servant hitherto, so will I now also be thy servant. Then mayest thou for me defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. Hast thou not there with thee Zadok and Abiathar the priests? Therefore it shall be that what things soever thou shalt hear out of the king's house, thou shalt tell it to Zadok and Abiathar the priests. Behold, they have there with them their two sons, Ahimeaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them you shall send unto me everything that you can hear. So he wants, he wants Hushai to go back, but the thing I want you to focus on are the next few words. So Hushai, David's friend, came into the city. And Absalom came into Jerusalem. Go and look and see how many times Hushai is described as David's friend. Just at the point when David, I'm sure, was about to break. God, I can't handle this. I just lost my counselor. We've lost the country. And we're in such a deep grief. And God does two things. He reminds him that God's still in this by Abiathar and, and Zadok. But then he brings him the one thing that he needs at that time. A friend. A friend. Don't ever think. Don't ever think that a text to someone a phone call, a visit, a silent prayer for your friend doesn't mean anything. I do believe that God knew exactly what David needed in one of the hardest times of his life, and he needed a friend. That's what our church is about. That's a big part of what our church is about. And as this spiritual battle rages on, we're going to see. We're going to see how important it is to have a church family that doesn't have the character of Absalom, that doesn't have the character of Joab, but has the character of David. And God will bless that. Let's be the friend to each other that we need to be. Let us be the friend to Jesus that he wants us to be and let us see God bless us and use us and help each other and see what God can do with a group of people that just say here I am Lord use me let's pray Father I thank you I thank you for that short statement Hushai David's friend Lord, I pray that we can learn from what David went through. We know that he struggled. We know that there were times where he dealt with deep depression. We know that there were times where he dealt with frustration. We read it in the Psalms. We, we, can, we can see more of his heart and who he is by as we read the Psalms. We can see how he was handling some of this. And, and just there was such a heavy stress and... Lord, I pray that we can learn from him and, 
And I pray that we can watch in the things that he did that was wrong and we can keep ourselves from making those same mistakes. And the Father, we can see the things that he did right and through that we can become strong in our walk, in our faith. And that, Lord, we can inspire people to a loyalty to our Savior that you want from all of us. Help us to lead the way. Father, I pray that you bless the group that's here tonight. I pray you encourage them and guide them. And Father, I pray that you use us to be a light to this community. I pray that we can be a blessing to our missionaries that's worldwide and we can make an impact worldwide. I know you can do with us whatever you want, and I pray that you use us. And Father, I pray that you take us home tonight safely. I pray you use us, open those doors, and let us hear the prompting of the Spirit and be willing and quick to answer whatever it is you're wanting us to do. Guide us, Father, and bless us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.